Greetings and hello to everyone. This is the Business of Betting podcast, and I'm your host, Jake Williams. Today is episode six, and we have Paul Daly from Ratings to Win joining the show. Paul discusses his entry into the racing business and how he built the cutting edge database and software that he offers punters today. Paul is another dedicated and passionate racing man, so it was my pleasure to talk all things racing and wagering. As always, you can find us at businessofbetting.com or at bettingpod on Twitter. Please fire in any questions or feedback and potential future guests that you would like to hear from. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Paul Daly. Today, I'm joined by Paul Daly from Ratings to Win. Paul, thank you very much for coming on. Good morning, Jake, and good morning, listeners. And I'm really looking forward to this, Jake. And having listened to a, a number of the podcasts that you've done so far with the likes of Dominic and Sean Byrne and so forth, uh, look, I just enjoyed the format and, and I thought it was a, a really good way to present information from some of industry's leading, leading figures. Yeah, it's certainly been fun so far. And I think... Uh you mentioned the format, it's much easier for me and I think it's probably appreciated as well with some of the guests we've had on to be able to be just chatting openly and getting into a few topics rather than, you know, the week-to-week analysing of races and, and people within the industry talking about um, the outcomes and, and that type of stuff. We can peel it back a layer and just have a sort of a chat about some uh, different things that are going on and some different stories because there certainly are some good stories. So, on that line of thinking, do you want to just start by introducing yourself and going through, I guess, the background, how you got involved and, and where it all started for you? Yeah, Jake, well, I got involved in racing as a teenager, um, having gone to the races with a, a friend of mine and his his dad, uh, who was interested in racing. I, I grew up in a pretty strict Catholic um, household where gambling was, was frowned upon. Uh, I sort of uh, had never been exposed to the races by any means and uh, quickly became sort of uh, enticed and, and encapsulated by the whole industry, especially the betting side of it. You know, when I, when I had a small bet, um, whatever it might have been, 50 cents each way, the horse placed and, and uh, from there it was just all, all uphill and my quest for learning and my quest for knowledge uh, just grew and it probably wasn't until the internet era really started that, that I tried to, um, you know, expo- enhance on that knowledge that I had and uh, and learn so much more from reading and, and obviously what the internet provided was a gateway to, to education. So you wanted to get involved in racing, I would imagine, back then. Did you go straight into it and start right away as a teenager or in your early 20s? Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, we, as I said, I got involved with racing as, as a sport. My interest was there. I, I tried to attend races whenever I could. And, you know, sometimes on occasions, perhaps uh, when, I, when I should have been at school, we'd, uh, we'd duck off to the track or, or try and get a bit of a look into the track. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was through that era of weight ratings and, and the Don Scott era uh, where, where I really became uh, very obsessed with with trying to find the the solution to the puzzle and and what resonated with me well was the fact that you could a- apply a number uh, to to different aspects of a race and 
and get an outcome. And, and that was what really intrigued me, uh, was the puzzle of, of solving that puzzle. And I, I had a bit of a, a program uh, back in the 80s that would sort of assess horses on, on a weights rating basis and and that sort of uh, worked with mixed success. But it wasn't really until much later in, in my betting career that uh, I learned, you know, what was necessary and, and started to realise that the market had changed and and to be able to keep up with that, I had to sort of learn new ways of, of assessing form. So what type of education did you undertake to get better uh, at the racing game or were you just doing it on a casual basis uh, early on? Early on, Jake, I was doing it on a casual basis. As I said, I was reading a lot of information from the internet. I started to study um, uh, different different subjects with, with math and, and learn how I could apply that. Uh, I went into a career in finance um, post-school and uh, it wasn't until sort of the, the, the mid, mid to late 2000s that I actually um, uh, was sort of in a position where I wanted to sell my business and, and take up uh, full-time gambling and so that was uh, something that led to that but it was an evolution that took time uh, I became very very serious with my punting from about 1997 onwards uh, and I was betting mainly Saturdays but but I was betting pretty well and doing well at it and, and, and still you know learning so much and and understanding how speed was was affecting my outcomes and and uh, so speed ratings became a big focus for me so we'll get to what you're doing now with ratings to win a bit further on and, and go into detail with that. But at that time, uh, in the 90s and, and throughout that era, what was the basis of, the, of your form and what were you doing throughout that time? Uh, the basis of form was weight ratings uh, combined with watching videos uh, and learning uh, the, the, the art of watching videos. Uh, very little was spoken about at track bias back in, back in the day. Uh, it started to become a much more popular uh, uh, focus you know, as, as time went on. But uh, yeah, it was it was weight ratings that mainly had me interested. I'd, I'd price up a market and and try and identify horses that you know were overlays and uh, and, and capitalise on those opportunities when when things went well. But uh, it, as I said, it was mixed success. You'd have obviously very good runs and very very poor runs, and the ability to um, determine how you were going, I suppose, came from the measurement of your bets. And you know, early on, I started keeping records and, and detailed records of what I was doing, and and try and sort of focus on you know where my edge was, um, if if I was able to quantify it that way. So, what was the extent of the technology back then, and how much were you using, if at all? The extent of the technology was was limited. Uh, computers it's, was sort of a fairly new thing. Um, I had an early IBM XT or AT machine. I, I can't remember which one came first, but uh, and it was sort of all you know off little floppy disks and monochrome monitors. Uh, I used to subscribe to um, ratings newsletters where you would receive in in the mail each week um, a weight rating performance for each horse in each race around the metropolitan and provincial areas. I'd I'd pay someone to actually keel that information and and program that in and from that I would use the historical ratings and, and start trying to make adjustments to them for, for things that I saw that took place in a race, you know, whether a horse might have been checked or blocked or, or had no luck, I, I'd try to make some sort of a numerical adjustment for that based on what I'd read from Don Scott's learnings and, and based on what I felt was, was best fit. Okay, and then transitioning to what you're now doing today with ratings to win, did you see a, 
I guess, a gap in the market? Or did you just find that for what you were doing and how you wanted to do it, uh, there was something that you needed to do to fill that void to be able to successfully capture all of that information and your thoughts and, and get that into, a, I guess, a usable system? Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to describe it. Uh, I could see that the market was changing and and that the bookmakers on course were becoming less and less, uh, you know, active race goers and punters were becoming less and less on track and, and options opened up for off-course betting, you know, through through the introduction of things like Sky Channel and and obviously other gambling forms. And so it quickly became apparent that, that the edge that I thought that I had uh, was starting to disappear and there were so many people doing um, hybrid versions of what I was doing uh, that uh, it made it very, very difficult to profit. And so I started to become more focused on on speed ratings, you know, uh, listening to people like Dominic Byrne and, and Mark Reed and, 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 and understanding, I suppose, little snippets of how they went about their business uh, in terms of trying to find an edge. And so it became, a, a, I suppose, a, a, a journey of learning that enabled me to sort of, uh, sort of focus on speed as being a more important factor or an, or a fact that it hadn't been explored and absorbed as much by the market as perhaps what weight ratings were. So, uh, you know, through the course of the 2000s when I was using uh, an alternative software product uh, for the purposes of trying to do my ratings, uh, it became very cumbersome time-wise to, to make that work because, you know, all those ratings were, were based on official times. And so if you're going to have speed ratings, it made sense to me that you needed accurate times and I, and I just didn't realize at that point in time just how far out some of the times were uh, and that became more apparent as time went on so you're betting full time before we get to the ratings to win stuff what was your style back then were you betting uh often and and every race on a wednesday and, and saturday or more than that or less than that and what was your sort of overall strategy well it was mainly confined to the wednesday saturday metropolitan racing um where i could where I could get set, uh, I was not necessarily sort of betting every race. It was more a case of, you know, trying to isolate those horses that I felt uh, would would offer an edge to me long term, based on my betting records and what I'd experienced. And and it was it was work in progress. It was a learning curve that just never stopped. And uh, so, but mainly Saturday and Wednesday betting was certainly something that uh, was was where it was at and and I was I was getting to the point where I wanted to ch see a change and I and I wanted to try and give punting a, a full-time uh, a go and and that was sort of like in about the as I said mid to late 2000s that that came about I had an opportunity to sell my business back then um, at, at the right price and that sort of gave me the catalyst to to sort of back myself and is that when ratings to win started Ratings to Win was sort of uh, around about that time. Uh, I started appointing, uh, or I, I had appointed my current business partner, who's my main programmer, and uh, we started off doing something with exotic betting. I was betting into exotics and wanting to automate that more, and, and that's what we first of all started out. That was the brief, essentially, for, for him, and that was sort of between, uh, or around about that 2008, 2009 time frame that 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 started to happen from that the, the program just sort of you know it, it germinated and 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 grew from that and and i started to realize through through tests that we were doing just sort of how much error content was within the official data and i figured to myself well if you know if i'm going to have any chance here in the current climate i need to be able to somehow source that data 
and and apply that data in, in a way and do things differently than, than what other people were doing to actually have a chance of beating the market because the market was becoming more and more uh, intelligent in terms of you know the way in which it absorbed information. So how do you get the data then? Do you get the newspapers out and, and read the official time for the 1200 meter race, race one, and then the 1600 meter race, race two, and input all that into your system? Is that how you compile it all? No, that's not how we compile it. Uh, we, we actually pay private organisations to produce the data for us uh, in terms of verified times and sectionals and, and other aspects of the data, and we, we import that. Essentially, we, we only keep the the date of the meeting, the track and, and the race number, and obviously the horse itself. Everything else is sort of discarded, um, and we create our own data from that. So we're effectively creating a bespoke form guide. Uh, for ourselves and for our own purposes, first and foremost, and that's what subsequently grew into into ratings to win and, and became available to clients on a on a slightly wider scale, but but a very targeted scale at that. So why don't you use the public available times and, and other resources that are are out there? Well, the the, the problem with the, the the public data is, Jake, is is it's largely incorrect for the purposes of, of the key key aspects of what I'm trying to focus on, which is obviously being able to rate the performances of horses. Um, yeah, the, the exact percentage of race times that are incorrect is is something I can't give you, but it, from our experience, it's well and truly more than ninety percent of race times are significantly out. Uh, and that spreads obviously from across metropolitan racing right right through provincial and country racing. Uh, it's it's less problematical in metropolitan areas for sure, but uh, it still is enough to to make significant differences to some of the figures that you would arrive at uh, if you were to use it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're using the same data that everyone else is doing uh, and everyone else has access to, then it's very hard to sort of create an edge from that uh, in which you can beat the market. That seems like a tedious process going through all that verification and outsourcing data collection and putting all that into one, I guess, database that you can control. Is that is that actually how it works? You do you go through that whole process so that you know you're using accurate and verified correct information? Yeah, we have um, processes that we use that help us automate that. But but certainly we and we also have error detection um, within the software that enables us to sort of pick up um, when there are anomalies, but uh, essentially, yeah, it, it is a very tedious process. It's a process that takes several hours each day. Uh, often on a large race day, we might perform anything up to two and a half to, to, to say, three million um, uh, or, or components of the data that we actually verify. Um, that, that isn't done manually, of course. It's done using computers and using the technology and the algorithms that have been developed. So, uh, yeah, it, it is a very tedious process, but it's something that's, that we feel is necessary uh, for our own betting, but also, more importantly, uh, as well, for our, our clients. And that's, that's where the, the point of difference comes from, is that there are so many uh, available websites and so forth where you can go and look up race form and look up statistics, but it's being able to craft and, and create um, the actual information that you want and disseminate that in, into, into bite-sized chunks that are going to make sense to you. So why do you think, I mean, do you have any answers as to why the pub, some of the public information is not correct? Is it just lack of resources or is there another reason or other reasons? Look, I think it's a, it's a, there's a lot of people handling the data. I mean, it all starts on race day, obviously, and, and gets filtered 
through to say Racing Australia, who who are essentially um, the distributors of the data on behalf of what we call the principal racing authorities, being the individual states like New South Wales or Victoria, and so the information is is handed by them to to through to Racing Australia, who who are then responsible for distributing it. Uh, to the broader public, uh, there's there's a wholesaler in the middle of that called AAP, um, but they they are essentially distributing that same type of data through to their clients at the end of the day. So a lot of people handling it. Um, the, the actual timing uh, mechanisms and and the technologies that are used to to measure the race times and the sectionals have uh, have flaws within them, many of them, and of course they're not consistent across all tracks. So the technology is not the same. The way in which it gets serviced. Uh, the way in which things are, are recorded or not recorded for that fact uh, and, and who's actually responsible for passing that information on simply mean that by the time it gets to the end end user, uh, it is actually been through multiple hands and, and actually has the propensity to, to be you know full of errors. Fascinating. So it sounds like then you compile some type of customizable form guide for punters and it's built by punters for punters essentially. So is that the case or is there other aspects to it and it's more universally uh i guess usable for bookmakers punters and and anyone else whether it's the general media as well who want to get access to information uh look you're right it, it is bespoke and it, it's targeted um but you know and built by punters for punters that's certainly the case uh, we don't sell to corporate bookmakers that's just by choice uh, we have a limited client base in which we we sell to uh, most of the the clients that use our product use it in such a such a different way. Everyone's got their own edge in the way in which they extract that. Some people are more trip handicap based. Some people are very rating centric. Some people are more statistically um, based in terms of their betting approach. So there's no one solution or or, or one method that works um, for our for our own purposes. Uh, we're very uh, I suppose. Uh, uh, quantitative based in terms of what the numbers tell us but we modify those numbers ourselves and and we give the clients the same tools and functionality to be able to do all of that for themselves within their own um, uh, rating scales or whether they use our scales or, or an alternative scale so it's 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 also about providing the right tools that enable punters to sort of be able to get the the answers to the questions that they're looking for okay and is it only objective data or do you have other information in there whether it be, you know, a numerical value against a trial to say how well a trial or a horse might have trialed or do you have any sort of tactics or intent of jockeys or, or trainers and things like that in there or is it purely a objective database customizable form guide uh, for punters to then add their own metrics and objective, uh, sorry, subjective information? Yeah, look, the, the rating figures themselves that we produce standardized are simply quantitative based and and don't have any subjective components built into them the speed maps are essentially the same however there is an element there for things like jockey and trainer intent that we're able to measure using an algorithm and and we're able to overlay that into the maps which we've found assist the accuracy of those maps and enhance that in terms of punters being able to actually import their own data and uh, whether that be their own ratings or, or, or an alternative um, ratings provider's ratings, uh, they can do that. They can measure that. They can test and analyse that data and, and detect where the weaknesses and the strengths lie within the data set themselves. Uh, but everyone's got, as I said, a different way of approaching it. Um, 
whether you're a trip handicapper or whether you're very rating centric, uh, our product will will certainly aid you in terms of saving you a lot of time, but also you know having more confidence in the actual numbers themselves and what they're telling you because you know that the data has gone through that process, that cleansing process, where it, where inherently it comes out uh, in in a much more usable format. And what about pulling together? a lot of subjective information that people have inserted into their databases. Do you go about compiling that in any manner or any way to provide sort of useful information for your clients? So if it's a, if it's been raining and it looks like a heavy track, but actually it might have played you know, more towards dead or, or something like that, will you be able to provide any types of reports or any type of, I guess, pooled information that you can use? Or is it simply a tool for the individual to use um, at their, you know, however they want to use it? Essentially, it's, it's it's a suite of tools for individuals or, or small groups of punters to be able to use uh, and, and interpret the way they want to. We have our own um, uh, view on bias and, and, and how a track might play uh, or if there's something pertin- pertinent about the actual um, meeting that we feel like needs to be noted or a particular race or a particular horse. All of those adjustments can be made by the user how we do them will obviously be different to how somebody else does them. Uh, we don't provide that subjective material um, to clients. That's something that they compile themselves and, and manage themselves. So what about, what is your personal opinion? I'm interested in your thoughts on track bias and, and sort of how that plays out, only, not only in the media, but also sort of when you watch races and how you sort of score races. Do you see large track bias? Do you think it's probably overrated a little bit and therefore... The jockeys and trainers use that to their or think they're using it to their advantage a little bit too much, and then it is overplayed. Or do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, look, everybody's talking about track bias these days. It's it's, it's the buzzword. Um, for, you know, realistically, it's always been there. The, the introduction of the movable rail and uh, and obviously irrigation and artificial watering to tracks, which is much more common these days. Uh, has certainly accentuated the bias in in many cases. It is such a subjective variable that there is no right or, or, or wrong answer. It's it's how you see it and how you measure it. Now we have a way in which we measure that, uh, which which I probably won't talk too much about because that's that's valuable IP and we, we just don't want to share that. But it, but it does look at things like you know obviously the the actual to expect results uh, of horses where they are in the race, um, yeah, it looks at sectional times and, and, and builds a picture around what we're expecting to see versus what we actually see. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you can often measure that, and there's so many different ways of measuring it. Uh, but essentially, I would say that most of the, the, the more experienced race watchers will, will come up with a similar type of view on, on how a track's played. I think where the interesting part starts to happen is when you start adjusting the performances for, for that perceived bias, you know, how much do you take off or how much do you give a horse in a particular scenario? And that's where it comes down to, you know, your your own measurements and your own rating scales. Uh, if you think a horse was advantaged, say, two lengths uh, for a particular run or a particular lane, then, you know, is it the full two lengths that you give that horse or is it only fractionalised? Um, that, that's that's what you've got to judge for yourself in terms of the impact that that's, that that's likely to make on your, your forward estimates of that horse's probability going into the next race. Hmm, okay, so without going into that intellectual property that you've obviously developed over years, is that a mathematics equation or is that a horse racing expert watching vision and then making a judgment which has been 
you know, curated and developed over years and years of watching races at those tracks uh, with those sort of types of horses in those types of races? Part of it's math, certainly, and that and and that will give you a, a broad picture of, of of what it's telling you. But then it, the subjective bit comes into, as I said, you know, what what are you actually going to do with that horse? Let's just say horse A has been advantaged by by two links, and horse B has been disadvantaged by two links. There's a four link um, differential there. When those two horses say meet again next time around on an even surface, you know, how much of that advantage or disadvantage do you apply? Uh, into your pricing model because if you if you put the whole lot in then you're, you're going to have some you know unsatisfactory markets in terms of what they're telling you against say what the public market might be telling you you're going to be overestimating the effect of that bias in terms of how that that affects a horse's price going forward so it's important to to sort of um, form some sort of strategy of how you actually deal with that as a number taking it into to, to a forward estimate of what the horse is likely to do next time out that's probably where the art comes in. I've heard, and I did some research, and I was looking into some of the information you provide and some of the types of tools you have. Can you talk us through the betting analysis tool? Because as a recreational punter and enjoying watching horse racing and the amount of different theories that you have sitting around having a drink, watching some races or at the track or whatever it might be about racing, it sounds like you have some type of tool that can... Once you've come up with a, a betting system or a, a, a strategy to how you're going to bet, you can use your tools to then sort of verify that and put that into the system and see whether that would have been a positive or, or negative outcome over time. Is that is that something what it's like or can you run us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, you, you can do a number of those those different things that you're talking about. The, the selection finder and analyzer module allows you to test your ideas and, and theories across a wide range of, um, of data, including many of the factors that are proprietary in our system. But instead of you uh, having to formulate questions that you might want to ask the system, you might just have a basis. So you, you would start off with some sort of um, basis of, of idea uh, that you might want to test. You might want to test, for example, you know, uh, the, the top weights, uh, how they might perform on wet tracks. Uh, so you might start off with that as a basic theory and, and expand from that. Now, in doing that, you, you obviously are going to have lots of uh, sub-questions that can be applied to that particular centric uh, that you've started off with. So you need to be able to answer those questions rather than go and ask one at a time. You can run a report that produces the answers to, you know, more than 190 uh, uh, variables on 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 things that you may not have even thought of asking the system to 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 comment on so it, it does give you a great way of 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 analyzing the data in terms of being able to produce uh, some solid numbers around whether or not a, a method you know might actually have some legs or not as far as the betting analyzer goes that's a that's an adjunct to that tool which allows you to uh, run a model or, or or a record of maybe bets that you've had and analyze that in a meaningful way so as to give you clear direction about, you know, what type of risk exposure you might face in terms of drawdown, uh, you know, how severe that drawdown is, what what the minimums and maximums look like, what the profitability looks like across different pricing um, uh, options, you know, whether that be totes or, or, or fixed odds, uh, you know, what sort of drawdown uh, that you might have over a particular set number of bets. So you might set up a bet block where you say, you know, how, how did I go over, say, 50 bet blocks, you know, over the last, uh, 
year in you know out of 2,000 bets that I had you know what was my variance looking like across each of those 50 bet blocks uh, what am I winning and uh, and uh, dividends look like you know in terms of highest and lowest uh, you know what my um, place to win percentage might look like and 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 more importantly you know what sort of um, variance actually kicks in in terms of time because a lot of people equate uh, good runs and bad runs in betting with the actual time it takes for that to eventuate and that's probably not uh, uh, realistic in terms of the way you should be looking at it because if you have uh, say 100 bets over um, a month uh, well that's that's obviously four weeks if you have 100 bets over a year uh, it, it, it can it can appear a lot worse in terms of the drawdown. So if you're going through a bad run, that, that 100 bets that you've had over 12 months is obviously going to um, be very, very destructive in terms of the mindset that it creates, whereas if you do it over a month, well, then you may be able to manage that more effectively. So it enables you to, if you like, model forward uh, what the results have been so that you can develop your strategies and refine those strategies so that you the, the, the mix that you end up with in terms of you know, what type of strike rate you're aiming at, what type of uh, horse that you're betting into um, can be refined in such a manner that you can appreciate fully the extent of what the betting will look like uh, once it's actually been, you know, it's gone through a live simulation. That sounds incredible. I have a hundred questions from what you just said, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but it sounds like what you mentioned second, that basically you can, from a historical performance standpoint, based on your bets, you can basically find out how good you are at finding the right price. And I guess I'm sure you can match that against SP or top tote or things like that. Is that correct? So you can see whether or not you did a good job at finding the prices you should have been able to get? Yeah, correct, Jake. And, and not only that, you can you can understand the, 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 the strengths and weaknesses in the bets that you're having. You'll be able to analyze those across the data set and say, well, you know, if I, if I, for example, had eliminated horses settling worse than sixth in running, I, I would have saved myself X dollars or increased my profit by X dollars. So being able to sort of uh, critique yourself on an ongoing basis and, and use that as a, as a, as a lever for, for improvement is, is very important. That sounds like an incredible tool. Is that the most valuable part of what you offer or what's the feedback on that? The feedback on that tool is is mixed. Um, some people uh, use it uh, religiously. I, I use it quite a lot. Uh, others others don't. They focus too much on on perhaps what they're doing in terms of their process of you know whether it be trip handicapping or rating. Uh, a lot of people don't don't value that data as perhaps as much as I would. Um, for me, it, it's it's all about the data. I use the data to to tell me when I'm right and when I'm wrong, and and also use it as a as a mechanism for for improvement. So, you know, I can't say that's the most valuable aspect of the software. It certainly is one of the most valuable aspects. But there are so many others, too, in terms of um, the tools that we offer, you know, even even down to what we call a, a verify race day and track condition tool, which allows punters to, say, enter the official time and the last 600 time of a race on race day and get a feel for, one, what the correct track condition is, because uh, of, often it's different to what the stewards suggest, and, two, it allows you to potentially pinpoint bias before the rest of the market. Uh, and so just because you see three or four leaders winning a race uh, or the early races doesn't mean it's a leader's track. It could just be a pace-related issue, uh, you know, where they went fairly moderately early. And so, you know, leaders were naturally advantaged. So you've got to sometimes move away from what the eyes are telling you and match it up with the data to get some sort of confirmation. So you said there's 190 variables that you can input into this tool. So... 
so if I wanted to check in Group One races in the past, let's say ten years, horse number one with at least fifty-seven kilos on a wet track with a starting price of under five dollars, let's say, historically you can check those results within that tool and then use that information, I guess, going forward to say, well, if you like horse number one in the Doncaster and it's a wet track and it's three dollars fifty whether or not historically that's been a good bet and going forward, whether or not you should be fully considering that option. Is that how it works? That's certainly one way to use it. And that's a pretty simplistic test that you just described um, in terms of what the software can do. But, you know, we don't recommend punters sort of just use the statistics blindly to, to make selections from, but they can certainly add confidence or, or take away from that under certain scenarios. So it could be how, how particular trainers perform um, at different stages of their preparations or how particular trainers perform, you know, combined with certain jockeys or, you know, how an individual jockey or trainer might perform across different price metrics uh, or, or, or where they might be in the run or, you know, how they ride different tracks or, or whatever it might be. So that type of data or that type, those type of smarts that you get from the data are, are able to be programmed individually by the clients to give them the, de the delivery of that information almost at the click of a button, uh, you know, when they're doing the form so that they can make so some sort of subjective assessment on whether whether or not that, that's actually a, a confidence boost or not to the assessment that they've actually made about the horse. But we don't recommend people just simply say, well, you know, just because that, that has a good statistic, we'll, we'll just go and bet those horses because it could be a sample size issue. It could be a small sample, which is skewing the results. Um, but certainly they are an advantage and, and for me, you know, the, the jockey and trainer aspect is certainly something that we build into our model and I think any successful punter will find that uh, good jockey data can significantly enhance the, um, the, the, the probability assessments that they, that they actually produce. It sounds like you've created the horse racing Google and then you suggest to use that and match it up, well, not necessarily match it, but use it as a tool for when you're doing form and, and maybe help that guide um, some of your future betting. Is that right? Yeah, it's something that you can learn from. it. It's good to know why the market is doing something on a particular horse, you know, why this horse is being backed or why this horse might be easy in the betting. Uh, and there are, you know, there are patterns that, that, that can be seen often from larger data sets that are meaningful. Uh, you know, obviously, safe, you know, the safety in, in large numbers is, is important when, you, when you're looking at data. But, uh, you know, certainly with jockeys and trainers, it's, it's, a, it's a big aspect because at the end of the day, they're, they're piloting the horse. Um, some jockeys will, will ride better under certain circumstances, under certain pace con conditions. Uh, others will, will handle uh, different types of tracks better than others. Uh, others will, will perform particularly well for, for a particular stable. And whilst that doesn't mean that you, you would necessarily shorten the price or, or on a horse like that in your market, uh, it, it's, it certainly is, is a sign of intent. So, you know, trainers pick up on these things too. If they've got a particular record with a with a jockey that's 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 very respectable, in terms of the numbers, they'll they'll often you know book that jockey, and that that booking is a signal or or a sign of intent on their behalf that you know the horse might be fancied. It sounds like it could be conscious or subconscious from those involved, and given you know we're all human, um, those things can come out in in different ways. You mentioned before you were involved in exotic betting. Uh, for me, I guess selfishly, can you take me through how you get to that stage? Because, you know, being a casual, you know, participant, I'm, you know, win, place, each way, maybe a odd trifecta. But 
how and why do you target exotic betting? Well, exotic betting has lost some of the appeal, um, Jake, that, that, it, that it had for me. Uh, the syndicates have certainly, uh, the zero-sum players, the rebate players, have certainly sort of uh, uh, eroded a lot of the value that exists in, in the, uh, say, for instance, the quadrilla pool. me um, that that's where I originally started to, to focus was quinellas and quadrillas and so the the idea of having the software was really just to to be able to produce um, the, the the right bet amounts for each combination you know rather than box horses or, or take you know multiple horses in one combination to split those combinations across um, the the probabilities of the horses that I had or that I wanted to include in a particular quadrilla bet and to be able to wager those in, in accordance with their with their true odds, or at least what I thought were their true odds, and so that's where I was getting the value out of it. Um, that's that's nowhere near as as as, um, uh, as as big an input into my betting outcomes as say win betting is now, just simply because, as I said, the, the Sydney syndicates have pretty much eroded a lot of the value that that exists in those bets. So if the syndicates are involved, it implies then that there is value in a lot of those pools. How do you go about, and this may be a dumb question, but how do you go about, uh, I guess, confirming that you will get a certain price, whether it be a quadrilla or a trifecta or some of those paramutual type pools? Is there a way to compute that before you're placing your bets if you can you know, place a bet at the very last minute? Yeah, well, when I was betting them more actively, um, Jake, we were actually sending the bets you know, in batches to, to the TAB very late um, before, say, the first leg. So you, you can use combinations of what the fixed odds might look like and, and perhaps what the, um, the, the, the doubles look like and, and, and even what some of the early exotic combinations look like. I think, it, I think it came down into more of things like even just ranking, you know, something as simple as that where you might have a, uh, the, the, the favourite, say, the second pick in the market. Uh, you, you might have the, um, the third pick in the market favourite. And so, so the, the difference in ranking between your your horses and what the market's ranking was is often a signal of whether there's likely to be value or not. And it also depends on how you wager into what size pools. You know, where, where are you going to be betting quadrillas? Are you going to try and take the quadrilla, at, say, at a Gosford meeting on a Thursday? Or are you going to focus at, say, Randwick on a Saturday on a Group 1 day where there's going to be a lot of money in the pool? So how much you bet and, and, the, and, and how wide you might make um, a particular race or a particular uh, sub selections is determined on so many different things. You know, like like the market differentials in ranking that we just mentioned. Uh, for me, though, what I'm what I'm really looking for is uh, uh, perhaps a, a might be a favourite in one of the legs that I that I think is a, is a genuine risk because of a particular um, factor or, or set of factors, and, and I'm looking for you know perhaps um, an over over support or, or an oversupply of money for that particular horse in that leg, which is likely to skew to the odds on some of the other chances in the race, enabling me to get value on the quadrilla. But but quad, quaddy betting is difficult. Like all exotic betting is difficult. Uh, if you, if you can't win at, at win betting, then betting exotics is just going to amplify that that or magnify that um, that, that differential. Yeah. Okay. So the genesis is getting it right, and your analysis on that horse or that race or or that quadrilla needs to be uh, it needs to start with you know getting the markets right, and then and then go from there. Have you scaled at all to sports and are you interested? Because certainly I know uh, you're talking about sort of detailed, in-depth data and information on whether it's jockeys and trainers and racetracks and 
all that type of thing, whether it's, you know, NBA where there's five players on the court and a lot of professional sports bettors will have sort of player ratings which dictate a lot of their bets. Or you might have, you know, NFL here in the US is the biggest and that'll be, you know, if a quarterback goes down, that's obviously a huge swing compared to a, you know, a, a lineman or something like that. And then you might have whether it's cricket or, or those other sports where something like this would be, I would imagine very valuable. Have you thought about, or do you delve into sports at all, given the popularity now of sports betting? No, look, Jake, I, I have no, um, apart from my interest in, in say, watching sports or particular codes, I have no interest on the, on the betting side of it. I've never explored it. Um, I, I'm sure, and, and from what I've heard and from people I've spoken to who, who are in that industry, um, it, it's a pretty well, um, uh, you know, milked area in terms of the value that might exist as there's probably very little value in sports markets these days from what I'm told uh, most of the big big players have sort of got that sewn up uh, I don't I don't see that as an area where we where we'll move um, perhaps into some of the Asian markets certainly there's opportunities there you know throughout Hong Kong and Singapore and the like uh, with, with the structure of racing there there's certainly some attraction for punters yeah okay that makes sense so I'm interested in the demographic of punters that you have as clients and or, or who you're targeting to to bring on as, as customers of yours, how do you go about getting the old school, in parentheses, uh, newspaper form readers to be interested in something like this? Because obviously you've got a lot of tools and there's a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of effort that goes into building something so complex uh, but so useful. Have you been able to get that adoption from those People have been around a long time doing it, whether it's been manually or with limited computing power. Surprisingly, Jake, yes, um, th th they're a great representation of our of our demographic. Uh, the, the, the tools themselves are obviously important. Um, th there is obviously, uh, in many cases, resistance early in the process because of the perhaps lack of computer skills or knowledge or perceived computer skills required. But the programs are very user friendly and and can be driven by anyone that can sort of left-click and right-click a mouse. So once people understand that the time-saving capabilities, they, they start to appreciate the value of that as an investment in, in itself. And so that, that's where we've had a lot of penetration, a lot of success. Word of mouth is is pretty much our business. We don't target anyone. They, they come to us. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's all about being able to, if you like, um, process the, the method in which they, they approach their form analysis and, you know, producing their markets and whatnot, the ability for them to be able to speed that process up, make it more accurate, make it consistent, make it reportable, make it accountable, that's that's the attraction. So maybe that old school stigma with horse racing is perhaps not as accurate when it comes to what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair fair way of describing it. Um, certainly, yeah, we spend a lot of time working with our clients too in the early stages um, you know, the, those that want the help um, and, and even, you know, developed a lot of long-term relationships with clients um, that, that have been with us, you know, since inception and uh, you know, they've become, you know, better punters for it uh, in terms of how they do things. It, it just reduces the error rate. I mean, as a human being, you can only process so much that there's so much racing in Australia, even if you're focusing on one geographical area, that, you know, the, the model these days is, you know, they, they just jam as much racing content as they possibly can into, into the week. And uh, a lot of the old, you know, non-tab meetings are now tab meetings. So you've got races seven days a week pretty much um, to keep you occupied. So there's, there's a lot to get through. And 
any any tools that are going to help you um, process that 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 data uh, quicker are obviously of benefit. So you mentioned earlier about the uh, the ratings and you know the speed ratings and the impact of weight and the old sort of Don Scott way. How have you seen? Because I'm always fascinated by weight because when I first started looking into racing as a teenager, like a lot of people, weight was one of the main factors and it was, I guess, one of the most useful in many respects because it was something that you could quantify pretty easily and it was something that was attached to every single horse as a variable. How has weight in your eyes developed uh, over time and do you still use it as a factor or a critical factor or is it underrated, overrated? How do you, how do you deal with the idea of, of weight? Look, I think, Jake, the best way to describe it is that it, it sort of has different meaning over different scenarios. So different pace shapes, different distances, weight means means something different. So the equation, I don't believe, is a simple you know, one and a half kilos per length type equation, uh, which is, uh, you know, what I learnt and, and, and never questioned early on. So uh, how they came up with that equation was obviously, you know, through methods available to them back in the day. But... Uh, you know, whether it's a kilo or two kilos, you've got to be able to sort of um, distinguish the, the value of weight and what it means because it still is one of the principles or the principle of handicapping, isn't it? So weight to me is still a very important factor. It's, it's, it's often misunderstood or misinterpreted and I think that's that's probably a, bit, a fair way of describing it. So how we go about it in our own process is that we, we apply uh, a, a different weighting to it over different race distances uh, and under different scenarios, you know, different pace conditions and so forth. But I, I don't think you can just simply dismiss it. So, but would you find perhaps one of your customers who do just take it out of their form guide because it's not something that is enough of a variable for what they're doing that is useful? Or is it always a consideration and it's always a factor and it's always something to have, you know, baked into what you're doing, whether it's anal- analyzing a horse or the race, you know, as one? I think there are certainly some punters that that don't concede that weight is is an important variable or, or as important as it was, and and there are some that dismiss it. At at the end of the day, though, I mean, if you've got two horses that run a, a race time, and let's just say it's a part time, and one's carrying fifty four kilos, um, and one's and they're both the same age and sex, and and one's carrying sixty kilos. And they both run part time. Surely the performance of the horse that carries 60 kilos must eclipse that of the horse that carried 54. So you know you, you can't, I believe, dismiss it. But there are there are some people that do or that don't uh, weight it as part of their process because they they're relying on other components within their model that that are more important. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So given you deal with so much information, a lot of data, uh, a lot of race days, a lot of race meetings. I get different answers to this question, but how do you go about eliminating noise? Um, I mean, a lot of people say it might be discipline or there's other factors or it's trusting and sticking to the process that's been working. Do you have any methods or tools or strategy to try and eliminate a lot of the noise given there is so much information now? Or is it, I guess, a case-by-case basis and, and people are better at dealing with it than others? So we're talking about the, the, the way in which we eliminate races for, from a betting sense, yeah? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay. So I use a, a range of, uh, for a better word, systems. And look, systems can be a dirty word, but it's simply just a method uh, of how you approach different different aspects of, of form or analysing form. I use uh, a number of systems that 
I've honed over the years and, and I continue to sort of refine as time goes on. But they, they highlight, if you like, potential bets for me in, in races or, or potential betting opportunities that um, where, where it's telling me that there's an edge here. And, and so what I will do in that situation is I'll, I'll go into uh, that race and, and have a look at the, uh, the variables and, and have a look at why the, the computer has actually found that race. And, and if you like detail or delve deeper into, into pricing that race more accurately and putting a lot more time into the analysis of each runner, uh, whereas if there's a race where it's telling me that there's very little opportunity for edge, then I won't put the time in uh, certainly into analysing that race pre-race. Post-race, though, every 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 race gets the same attention. It doesn't matter if it's a country race or if it's a metropolitan group one. Uh, they all go through the same process because it's important to normalise the ratings post-race so that they can be used for reliable forecasting pre-race. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose I'm using methods to to help me speed up the the processing of all of the racing data that that is available to identify the best opportunities so i'm cognizant of your time i don't want to keep you too much longer because i know you're a busy man but before we let you go can you i guess give the listeners an insight into what you read or types of books or resources or other information non sort of direct racing form information that you consume and, and what you utilize um to continually educate yourself yeah, look, I, I think the punters should be looking at, at any way to improve their knowledge. And look, everybody's got a different um, starting point, you know, where, they, where they're at. And there are lots of people still in the industry that, that have, um, if you like, spent very little time uh, analysing ratings. Uh, ratings to me are a great way of, of measuring a horse's performance and, it, and it, it resonates really well with my style of doing things. Other people, not so much. But uh, look, I think you could do a lot worse than, you know, read all the books from, you know, people like Don Scott and Andy Bayer and, you know, books on speed and books on math and how that how that works in, in, in different equations. Um, so, you know, there's so much stuff on the internet now that you can access. You know, you can just Google a particular topic and and go through and, and, and learn and, and understand how different people do things. Uh, people like Bill Benter in Hong Kong and, you know, there's been a number of um, publications which he's contributed to, uh, forums and whatnot, where, where you can actually learn information and, and read between the lines. Punters have just got to be alert. They've got to be able to read between the lines and and know, you know, uh, you know. You might read a whole book and only pick up one point, but it's that one point that, that can actually often lead you towards uh, developing a new style or enhancing a particular aspect of your form analysis. And, and, and it's usually that one or two points that you might pick up over time that, that can make a great difference to the way you bet. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the theme coming through that you've just got to consume a lot and, and pick apart what works for you and what's best for what you're doing and apply that continually. Uh, otherwise, you will be sort of left behind. Before we let you go, Paul, how can any listeners who want to contact you or get some further details or information do so? What's the best the best avenue? Our best avenue is um, they, can, they can first of all just find our contact details on our website, which is ratings to win. That's number two win.com.au they can email me at paul at ratings to win.com.au uh, they can find me on twitter which is at paul d01 uh, and if they've got any questions or they they like to have a chat about you know whether or not our products are suitable for them and 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 how they might actually incorporate that into that process then i'm more than happy to have that discussion with them uh, and even if they've just got questions generally on betting or they they need some help or 
they're, they're, they're trying to sort of move from one, one aspect of their form analysis to another, or they're, they're having difficulty incorporating a particular aspect into their form, then we're more than happy to provide a lending hand and, and help those people. It's not all about the business that you get, uh, it's what you give back, and we've done pretty well out of this game, and we want to be able to help punters. Excellent. No, it sounds good. I, I really appreciate your time, Paul, and it was great to have a chat about what you're doing and some of your thoughts on the industry and racing and how you go about how you go about it. So, once again, thanks very much for uh, for coming on to have a chat and and all the very best. Yeah, thanks, Jake, and really enjoyed it today. And uh, I hope listeners get something out of it. Mm-hmm.